Welcome to Ministry in Motion, a program where we explore best practices for your ministry in the 21st century. I'm Derek Morris, and whether you're a pastor or a lay leader in your local church, God wants you to be a powerful Christian leader. And I'm excited about our guest today, Gary Krause, who will speak to us about communicating with secular people. I'm glad you joined us. Gary, thanks for being with us today. A pleasure. And you've got some expertise in communicating with secular people. Tell me, how did you develop that passion for reaching people who have no religious or spiritual worldview? It's interesting. I don't know about the expertise, but certainly the passion. And just recently, I had to give a talk to young people, and they asked me to talk about my, my history as an Adventist. And as I went through it, I, I saw this pattern developing that I have always had this this passion for how do we make the gospel relevant to unbelievers. And so when I go back, I used to work at Science Publishing Company in Australia. I look back there and I look back at some of what I used to write about. It was this thing. Then I worked at the Adventist Media Centre. Again, how do we communicate through the media in a way that will be attractive to Australians who don't believe in God? And now in my, my current work with Adventist Mission, we, we have a, a mission field around the world. We have the 1040 window, we have the big cities, but we have the growing secular West. Um, Europe, America, Australia, increasingly in the city. So that, that, that's what fuels my passion. So let's talk about what a secular person, how do you describe a secular person? A secular person is somebody who lives their life as if there was no God. So that can be in the church and out of the church. Okay, so, so it's not necessarily just an atheist. No. You could have a secular church attendee. Yeah, who believes in God but lives as if God doesn't exist. And this is an increasing number of people right here in, in North America. Uh, recently, there's been a lot of talk about the rise of the nuns, N-O-N-E. These are the people who say, we, we profess no religion. Right. Now, we as Adventists have historically focused our mission on other Christians, how we can share Bible truth with other Christians or with maybe some animists, some tribal groups. But to bring people into a knowledge of Jesus Christ who are total unbelievers, that's a bigger challenge. And it sounds like we have uh, viewers who watch Ministry in Motion of many different Christian churches, yeah. that this would be a challenge for all Christian leaders. Very much so. You know, and when you, when you look back, say, like to the 19th century and, and earlier, often Christian denominations felt like they were mainly competing with each other. There's a growing feeling among Christians that, you know, we have some differences, but our main challenge is how do we bring the unbeliever to a knowledge of Jesus Christ? Mm. Now, we hear a lot in the 21st century about postmodernism or the postmodern person. Is that the same as the secular person or are there differences? Good question. There, there, there are similarities, but a postmodern person is someone who, who tends to be more open to religious things. So uh, the director of our Global Mission Center for Secular and Postmodernism was telling me he went to a lady's home in, um, in Sao Paulo. And in her home, she had an open Bible. She had a little Buddha figurine and she also had a crystal. Now, it's kind of like hedging your bets. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like I'm open to spiritual things, but don't tell me that this one's more important than another. You have your belief. I have my belief. Uh, but I am open to listen. And so I, I, see, I, I see a postmodern person as someone who is open to listen. That's interesting. But I know postmodern people you know, need community. They, they need freedom to explore different ideas. Maybe we'll talk about 
how a secular person is, but, but let me ask you this question. It seems, at least in Western culture, maybe more and more so in other parts of the world, that the system, if you will, is against believers. Mm -hmm. That there are these uh, structures that, that make secularism thrive. Talk, talk to me about that. Well, that's, that's an interesting thing because a sociologist, Peter Burgess, some years ago, talked about what he called plausibility structures. And he says there's certain structures that make beliefs more plausible. Uh, and we see that within the Adventist church. We, we tend to, to send our kids to Adventist schools because there's a structure there that makes belief plausible. It makes an environment where they can learn about Jesus. It's much easier to be a Roman Catholic in Vatican City than it is, say, in Nepal or in Bangkok, Thailand, because you have certain structures to support. And today, a secular outlook on life is supported by many things. It's supported very strongly by the media. The media operates as if God doesn't exist. Mm. And so we wonder why kids are leaving the church. Well, it's well, part of the reason is because six days of the week, they are immersed in a world that supports secularism and then on sabbath morning they come in and they have some instruction and then we wonder why it's outweighed because their whole framework is being supported in a view that says you can exist without god there's, there's a there's an adventist school in australia there's a lineup of hundreds of parents wanting to send their kids there the um the, the principal of that school at the beginning of every year will sit down with the, with the non-Adventist parent and say, if you want your kids to come to this school, I want you to understand that there's a high chance they may become Seventh-day Adventists. Are you okay with that? Just up front. And that's, that's plausibility structures. And so what we need to do is build up the plausibility structures for belief in God. So uh, I'm thinking of other communities, certainly Baptists, Methodists, uh, Lutherans, they operate school systems, they have summer camps, uh, vacation Bible schools. These are all part of that plausibility structure, if you will, Very that much helps so. make faith become more, uh, what, more likely, more possible even? More believable. Okay. Yeah. And, and even something as simple as a mission trip. You know, you talk to your Baptist neighbor whose kid went on a, a mission trip and they'll talk in terms of, well, they came back alive because it supported a plausibility structure. The service supports the, the, the Christian idea. So maybe uh, after the break, we need to talk not only about how to reach secular people, but how to protect our own community, our own children, maybe our own brothers, sisters, friends uh, to provide uh, a, a setting or a plausibility structure, as you call it, where faith in God can flourish. Definitely. Because if we just uh, talk about the problem, no solution, we're in trouble. But you've obviously thought about uh, how to reach secular people. And so after the break, we'll come right back and we'll talk about maybe you've got a neighbor or a brother or a child that's just walked away from faith. How do you reach out to that person? There has to be a way because the commission says go into all the world, every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. We've got good news to share. So stay with us as we talk about communicating with secular people because we'll find some practical insights that will help you in your ministry today. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today is communicating with secular people and our guest, Gary Krause. Gary, 
in the first part of our program, we talked about what a secular person looks like, uh, not physical attraction, uh, physical features, but, but how they think. Uh, let's just summarize that and then share with me, how do we go about connecting with secular people? Right, we we're talking about how a secular person is somebody who lives their life as if God doesn't exist. <clears throat> so obviously an atheist, um, probably an agnostic, uh, people who, who have more of a science, say that science explains everything. But then we talked about the fact that you can actually be a secular person who believes in God because you, it's almost like a deist. God started everything. He's up there somewhere. I believe in him, but he doesn't affect my daily life. Mm. And when you look at surveys of religion here in North America, many professing Christians are basically living their lives as deists. As, and so they're living their life as secular people. And this is one of the challenges with our young people. They may have all the head knowledge. They may be... They, we've taught them all the correct things, but it hasn't touched their hearts. So they live as if they were secular. And you talked about the fact that media certainly uh, bombards them with a secular worldview. Uh, but, yeah, basically it talks about life in terms of living a rich, fulfilled, happy, fun life without any reference to God. He doesn't enter the picture. Right, right. So let's uh, take our next step and talk about how do we reach people? Can we learn something from Jesus or from the scriptures? How do we connect with uh, people who live as if there is no God? You know, when we look at the, the postmodern person today who, who increasingly we're seeing these sort of people in urban areas, uh, a growing number of people who 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 basically say that there are no, uh, no fundamental truths, that your truth, Derek, is important as my truth. You keep a seventh-day Sabbath, well, that's cool for you, you know, wonderful. And, and the number one virtue in this society is tolerance. You know, you, you don't dare criticise somebody for the way they behave or the way they think. Everyone is equal. And so the, the, the challenge here is how do we make the old, old story, which we believe is about the one who is the way, the truth and the life, how do we make that credible to somebody and attractive? Well, let me tell you, we're not going to tell them by coming with the Bible and saying, here are the facts. They don't believe the Bible. It, it, that's why it was kind of like easy when we were talking to other people who believed the Bible, because it basically we're on a level playing field and we can compare text with text, we can pray together and we can come to truth. But when you're talking with a, a secular per person or a postmodern person, you cannot start at that level. You don't share it. So, so what do we do? Where, where do we start? <clears throat> well, call me old fashioned, but we follow Jesus' example, which Ellen White summarizes. She calls it, calls it Christ's method. And she talks in terms of the first step being mingling with people, not coming with your, your agenda and telling them things, etc. just mingling making friends, showing you care for people. Um, then she talks about you show sympathy, you minister to needs, you win confidence, and then you lead people to Jesus. So give me an example from the ministry of Jesus. We, we may have viewers who are very, very well acquainted with the scriptures, but others may, may not know uh, all of the stories in the life of yeah, Jesus. Yeah, I, I mean, I could tell you a hundred. You go to Matthew chapter eight and, and nine, and you just go through there, first of all, and find out how many times you see Jesus physically touching somebody? And you see that Jesus is mingling. He's at people's parties. They invite him to parties. He comes. He's there with sinners, with um, prostitutes, with tax collectors. He right. gets criticized for the establishment. But there he is mingling. I'm thinking of the one story with uh, Matthew after he's become a, a follower of Jesus. 
that yeah. Jesus goes to a party at his house. That's right. And it seems like a kind of an unusual group of people at the party. Unusual group. And the <laughs> funny thing is they want to be near him. That's right. Here you have the Holy Son of God who knows more than anybody the horrible power of sin, but sinners love to be near him. Now, mm. it may be different in other people's churches, Derek, but sometimes in the Adventist church, those who are first to stand up, criticize, call sin by its right, right name, nobody wants to be near them, right? Mm. Mm. But the Savior mingled. And so I think that's number one step. We have to make friends Derek, you know, people say, how come nobody's coming into the church? How come no, nobody's being baptized? And then you ask, well, how many non-believing friends do you have? Sure. Well, but I can hear a, a parent or maybe, maybe a, a sibling saying, that could be dangerous, mixing with secular people. Uh -huh. how, how can I be sure that in, instead of blessing and influencing them, I'm not drawn away from faith myself? Well, number one, I would say, it's as great or greater a risk of staying untouched. If you stay isolated in your little community, that's as big a risk. Now, secondly, when you go, uh, Matthew chapter 28 says, go ye into all the world. But before that, it says, I have all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go. Mm. If you go in the name of Jesus, if you are grounded, you have a, a spiritual community, a family, a church group who pray for you, you pray with, that sounds really important. That's very important. That's part of that plausibility structure. Very important plausibility structure. So you need to be, be grounded. And, and, and when you mingle with people, you do it as a Christian. You don't go, I mean, you are there. You, you're not hiding who you are. Mm -hmm. And sure, but, but today, Derek, I mean, temptation is only a Google stroke away. That's uh, right. A stroke on the computer. So the Savior mingled, we have to do the same. And it's interesting, at least as I look at the New Testament model, that Jesus sent the, his followers out two by two. Yes. So even there, they had a, a, a small support system. Exactly. But, you know, when we, when we look at postmodern people today, you, think, you see the things that are important to them. One of the things that is important is community. I was just reading in the Sunday paper about how Marriott Corporation is redoing their lobbies to make them more community oriented where mm. people can come and just hung out, hang out. You think of places like Starbucks where people don't go to just get a cup of coffee. They go for the feeling, for the atmosphere, mm -hmm. for the community. And so mm -hmm. this mingling is so important. And, uh, and meeting people's needs too, you said. Yeah, you're, you're there as someone who desires their good. And so you're there to, to help. To, mm. to be someone who, who cares. But this belonging is so important. And, and we as Adventists sometimes have overlooked this. But as we see people who are becoming Seventh-day Adventists today, who come from either a secular or a postmodern environment, their first step is not being convinced by Scripture. Mm. Their first step is they come into a community and they feel as if they belong. They mm. have Adventist friends. Their behavior starts to change. Their beliefs start to change. Mm. After the break, I'd like to talk about some real-life illustrations, okay. uh, stories. In fact, you've kind of alluded to the fact that there are amazing stories, um, like the ones from the Scripture, the woman at the well or uh, the centurion, whose lives are impacted by coming into a loving, caring community. And uh, maybe we'll find some principles that will help us in connecting with secular people. We're glad you're with us today as we talk about connecting with secular people. Our guest, Gary Krauss, we've learned the challenge of reaching secular people who live as if there is no God, even people within the church. We've learned that there are opportunities to connect as Jesus did. After the break, we'll hear some stories 
that will bless your life and give you some ideas how you can connect with secular people. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today, connecting with secular people. Our guest Gary Krause has talked to us about what a secular person thinks, how they act. It could be a person who's an atheist, an agnostic, or even a person in the church who lives as if there is no God. We talked about Christ's method of connecting with people, and now we're going to look at some real-life illustrations from the 21st century. I'm glad you joined us. Gary, uh, would you summarize Christ's method? Because that was so simple yes. and yet so powerful. And then let's talk about some stories today. Yeah, so the first step is mingling, um, where the Savior actually came to earth. He put on human skin. He got his hands dirty. He rubbed shoulders with people. He physically touched. He got involved in their lives, sinners, believers, whatever. He mixed. Then he, he, as he mixed, he showed sympathy. He cared for people. Mm. And as, as needs arose, he ministered to them. And then when he did that, he won confidence. People loved to be near Jesus. Mm. And then the last step, and the most important, is he bid them follow me. And uh, Christian denominations tend to emphasize maybe one or two of these. Um, many of us are very good at focusing on the bidding to follow, but we neglect the others. But mm. it's a holistic package that we need to, and what I was saying earlier is I think this is uniquely placed to reach secular people. It's interesting, earlier we talked about plausibility structures or providing an environment where faith can flourish. Yeah. Um, it seems that what Christ is doing there when he's ministering, meeting people's needs and ministering to them, he's creating that community where love and trust can flourish and then he can encourage them to a deeper experience with God. Exactly. Um, Dr. Richard Rice tells a story about how he went to Israel and he was on a, a trip with a, a Jewish rabbi. They started talking about how do we pass on the values to the next generation? And the rabbi said, well, you know, I, I, he, he was uh, ministered to a large congregation, um, interesting con congregation because they were more strict behaviorally than conservative Jews, but more liberal theologically than reformed Jews. Hmm. But he said there are three things important to us. One is believing. We're Jewish. Secondly, behaving. Very important. We're Jewish. The third one, he said, is belonging. Mm -hmm. Believing, behaving, belonging. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Rice said as he listened to that, he thought about his own community. And as Adventists, we tend to be stronger on the believing and behaving, but we sometimes neglect the belonging. And mm -hmm. I think that whatever Christian tradition we come from, we may say the same thing as well, that sometimes that belonging isn't as important. But belonging provides the context where we can believe and behave. So our young people have to feel as if they belong. And in fact, if I was listening uh, carefully earlier, you said you might even start with belonging. Yes. And then move to uh, believing yes. and behaving. Well, what happens, and we've seen this so many times, and, and Rudy Dingjan, who is the global mission coordinator in the Netherlands, he, he's, he actually has mapped this out, the process. And he says, you know, people come and make friends. We have a, a church plant, a small group. They come, they'll come to a barbecue or a picnic or some sort of social event, start hanging out together. Interesting thing is, we haven't talked religion at any stage here, but their behavior starts to change because nobody else in the group is smoking cigarettes. So they stop smoking when they're with the group and soon they start <laughs> stopping when they're at home. So their behavior starts to change. And then after that, 
they start asking questions about the belief and then toward the end they actually have the Bible study. Whereas traditionally we used to have the Bible study up front. So it's just an interesting phenomenon. You know, I, I've, I've noticed that um, if, if you're around people and you don't uh, use the name of Jesus or God in cursing, yeah. that over time, the language of the people around you can change. Uh, I, I, I've noticed that even in work settings. That's so true. Or at least change when they're around you. Exactly. So in that environment. So that's interesting. Share some stories where you've seen Christ's method implemented in, really in a credible way connecting with secular people? One of the things that had really impressed me a few years ago, there's a man by the name of Dr. Alex Curry in Australia. And he put together a series of seminars called Managing Life's Crises. Basically how to cope with stress when something happens, etc., etc. And we advertised this event in our church and, and people came along. Well, as this seminar was held night after night, you made friends with the people, etc., etc. What I really loved at the end of it he said, well, this is the last night. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, have a good life. Um, but for anybody who might be interested, I'm going to be starting a series starting next week, which is going to be focused more on biblical, spiritual topics. And if you're interested, come along. If not, see you later. And it was just a wonderful thing because he had mingled with them. He had, he had showed sympathy, administered to their needs, how to meet crises. He had won their confidence and so when he said, do you want to stay on for the more spiritual, about 80% of the people stayed on. And he had, had not at that point actually bid them to follow Jesus. Not at all. In fact, like Paul, he'd simply said, follow me. Exactly. Uh, and, and they'll find out, oh, you're following Jesus. That's a good so, way of putting it. So we're going to come to that place. It, we've time for one more story. Is okay. there one that y comes yeah. to your mind? Yeah, let me just quickly tell you, some young people in, um, in England came up with the idea, we want to share the Sabbath idea. And so they started what they call the Sabbath sofa. They went to Ikea, they bought a sofa, they took it into the heart of London and they put up a sign, uh, need a rest, take a seat. They invited people, so people sat down there just off the This street. is sitting on the side of the road? Sitting, on, sitting in the middle of the city, uh, like in a square. Okay. And just people just line up to sit there and they start talking. Oh, you're stressed, bad week. Oh, yeah, they unload on that. And they said... How would you like to have 24 hours every week where you just unloaded and just relaxed and it was just like, oh, that would be just wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. So what they do, do through this is they have the experience, they talk about it before they, and then they say, well, do you know that there is something called the Sabbath, da, 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 da. So I kind of like that as a, a creative what idea. What a great idea. Yeah. Maybe you're thinking about ideas that you can use. Coming alongside people, mingling with them, meeting their needs, caring for them, building what we called a plausibility structure or a setting where faith can be born and then bid them to follow Jesus. We've got so much to learn, but we're glad that you joined us for Ministry in Motion today. You can go to our website, ministryinmotion.tv, learn many other resources or watch this program again. They can bless your life. And then I encourage you, don't keep these powerful insights to yourself, but take them implement them in your local setting and share them to bless the lives of those around you.